Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning, LifeHouse family. So glad you're joining us today at LifeHouse Online. As many of you know, we are gathering online only today. And so, so excited that you're here and that you've jumped on and uh, just excited for what the Lord's gonna do today. And I've got a great message that I think is really gonna help you. Before I dive in though, I wanna welcome all of you who are joining us for the very first time. If it's your first time, we sincerely wanna say welcome. LifeHouse family, put it in the chat how excited you are for those who are joining us today for the first time. And uh, also, too, Christmas time is here. You know what that what, what that what that means. After Thanksgiving, Christmas time revs up, and just want to invite you to Christmas at Lifehouse in the month of December. It starts next Sunday. We've got pictures with Santa Sunday on December fourth, December eleventh. We have got Kids Choir Sunday, December eighteenth. We have got Ugly Sweater Sunday, and then we have Christmas Eve at Lifehouse. On, of course, December 24th, we've got two service times, 1.30 and 3 o'clock at the Kiln Creek Regal. I would encourage you, if you're local, come and join us. Bring your family and friends and join us, and let's celebrate Christmas together in December. And, man, speaking of Christmas, everything revs up, man. And, I mean, you know, I, I, I did uh, something that, that was very brave a couple weeks ago. I went with my wife to Hobby Lobby a couple weeks ago. And when you go into Hobby Lobby, holy smokes, it is Christmas central in there. And I went in there with her and it's like, I felt something in my soul starting to rev up of like, okay, the holidays are here. I was like, here we go. Christmas is here. And it's so easy with all that's going on around us this Christmas season, it can be so easy for us to lose the centrality and the importance of the Christmas season. And really, that's what I want to speak to you about today. Uh, We finished up our series the past three weeks called The Blessed Life. And if you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back, check out the podcast, uh, what a series it was teaching us about the heart of giving. And so today we're actually doing a separate message, a stand-alone message that I'm calling Prepare Him Room. And as I was in Hobby Lobby and it was like I could feel my soul revving up with just the holiday season and the advertisements and the Christmas shopping and the decorations and all of of those things, I, I was just reminded how easy it is to be bombarded with what the culture deems as important, especially about Chris and especially about Christmas, that it's so easy for us to get focused on the peripheral that we missed that we miss what is central about the Christmas season. And what I want to encourage you today and hopefully help you do is be able to do exactly what my favorite Christmas song says is, is prepare him room that we actually think about. Even as we begin the Christmas season, today is the first Sunday of Advent and it's basically when the the Christmas season starts. And as we're beginning, I just want to help you do what my favorite Christmas song says, joy to the world, prepare him room. It says, let every heart prepare him room. And I just want us collectively, individually, and as a church today, prepare our hearts this Christmas season so Jesus can actually have room. Now, if you would put it in the chat section, um, what your favorite Christmas song is, I would be very interested to know. But mine is joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart 
prepare him room. And this is exactly what I want to help you do today is to prepare room in your heart for Jesus this Christmas season. I want to remind you of some words that Paul said as we begin today, where he said that we are, that followers of Jesus essentially become temples, houses of the Holy Spirit, that we actually become a place where the very presence of God can dwell. So I just want to remind you that as we're talking about preparing him room, that this isn't just something that I'm trying to help you this Christmas season. I'm, I feel like today I'm, I'm going to help you actually in your life, not just Christmas season, but actually beyond that. And for the rest of your life, prepare you to prepare him room. And I feel like I got to begin by telling you, like you, you are where God wants to dwell. That's why Paul reminded them like back in the old days, in the old Testament, God's presence was in a temple. It was in a specific place. And there were rituals and rites and things that people had to do to get in the presence of God. But when Jesus came and he tore the veil down, what Jesus, is, what Jesus and scripture and Paul and, and all of the Bible declares is that we human beings are now temples of the Holy Spirit. That we can be a place where God actually dwells, where his spirit can actually dwell in us. And this cannot just be a moment, but this can actually be a lifestyle that we walk in where we can be temples, homes, places of the Holy Spirit. But in order for, for that to happen, we have to prepare him room. We have to prepare space. Even in the Old Testament, we see one of the things that God's chosen people did is they would fill God's temple with idols is they would actually cram the temple so full of these foreign gods that the presence of God and God himself could not dwell there. And I think sometimes when we think about the Christmas season, this is what can happen. We fill our lives with so many peripheral things that we can actually miss what is central about this season, and that is Jesus. So I just want to give you a few thoughts today to help you prepare him, to help you prepare room for God to dwell in your life, not just this Christmas season, but beyond that. And I think it's really going to help you. And I would just encourage you, if you haven't done so, would you share this? I believe it's really going to help some people today. All right. And as you know, I always say this. Pastors typically always have three thoughts. Would you write three in the comment section? I've got three thoughts to help you. And these are things that are very personal to me because over the past two or three years, I, by God's grace, I've learned to put these into practice. And I think they're really going to help you today. The first thing when it comes to preparing him room to preparing room in your heart for Jesus is number one is to choose your focus, choose your focus. I'm not sure if you've realized this, but everybody and everything in our culture is fighting for your attention. It wants your attention. It's screaming. It's yelling. It's saying, look at me, pay attention to me because the culture, the world, the, the economy knows if it gets your attention, it's going to get probably your money or it's going to get your time or it's going to, it's, it's going to get you. So even what, what I have heard, what we are now in is we are in an attention economy where companies and businesses, what they are interested in the most is how can they get your attention? And actually the term attention economy was coined by the psychologist, economist, and Nobel Peace Prize winner, Laureate Herbert Simon, who posited that attention was the bottleneck of human thought that limits both what we can perceive in stimulating environments and what we can do. He also noted that a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. We even have 
symptoms for people that struggle with paying attention. We call it attention deficit disorder, ADD, ADHD. And these are real things. I'm not saying they're not, but here, here's the thing. Like it's, it's, it's easy for us to be distracted and to miss what can be most important because we have a world shouting at us, pay attention. And it's even actually trying to curate and form you through using psychology, through, through using studied ways to, to get you to put your attention on these things. Luke chapter 10, verse number 38 through 42. This is actually a, a story in the gospel of Luke, of the story of Mary and Martha. And if you've been in church, you know this. If you have not been in church, I'm excited to share this story with you today because I believe this, this story is such a timely message for you and me when it comes to the Christmas season. But, but when it comes to us knowing we have a choice in what we pay attention to. Starting in Luke chapter 10, verse number 38, this is what it says. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Can you write distracted in the comment section? But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord. Like, so, so she's like, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen. Would you write that word chosen in the comment comment section? Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Let's just examine this story a little bit where you've got Martha and her sister, Mary, in the house. And Jesus is there teaching and spending time with them. I mean, Jesus, the son of God is there and Martha is so concerned about all the details and the and what Luke points out is she's distracted and Mary is like Jesus is here if Jesus is here in the house teaching I'm going to be at his feet learning from him but Martha chose to be distracted and Mary chose to be at the feet of Jesus listening to him learning from him and taking advantage of the time that Jesus was there. And, and what, what I love is that Jesus actually says, Mary has chosen what is better. Because here's the thing, Martha was doing good things. Martha was being hospitable. Martha was doing what that culture valued, being hospitable and welcoming people in. So Martha, it's not like Martha was doing bad things. Martha was doing what is good, but Martha was missing what was best. And that's what I feel like when it comes to this Christmas season, you're going to have many opportunities to do a lot of good things, to be a part of a lot of good. But if you focus so much on the good, you could possibly miss what is best. And what is best is making sure this Christmas season, you don't miss Jesus. This will be the best Christmas season of your life if Jesus is at the center of it. And I want to help you do that. I'm going to actually send you in a message, email message um, in the next few days, giving you some ways to redeem this Christmas season and make it your best ever. Because if it, this will be the best Christmas season, if Jesus is first, if Jesus is at the center, if, if through this you learn more about who Jesus is and you take the season where the whole world is focused on Jesus and you, you actually say, Jesus, I want to know more about you. I want to learn more about your birth. I want to learn more about why you came. It's not going to be, this will be your best Christmas, not because of the presents you give or the presents you get or the decorations you put up or the, or the social events or the Christmas events you go to. This could be the best because you get closer to Jesus and I want to help you do that. But what we see in this story is Mary 
chose what was best, and that was to sit at the feet of Jesus. And you'll have a choice this Christmas season to be focused on good things. And hey, we praise God for good things. I'm not saying don't have fun, but what I'm saying is in the midst of the fun, don't miss what is central, and that is learning and being at the feet of Jesus. Choose to focus on Jesus this Christmas season. But also know this is a this could also be a principle for our lives. Where there are so many good things in our lives that we could choose to be focused on. But what I believe Jesus ultimately says is we have the opportunity to be at his feet, to be with him. And this actually leads me into my second point, where, where if you want to prepare him room, if, if you want to have a life of being a place where Jesus can dwell, number two, do with Jesus. Do it with Jesus. One of the constant themes I hear as a pastor is people will come to me and they want to spend more time with God. But then they tell me how busy they are and how overwhelmed they feel. And it just seems like Jesus, like as much as they have a desire, it is so hard for them to fit time with Jesus into their schedule. I actually spoke with a gentleman at the gym about a month ago when he was telling me he got this brand new job and he's trying to keep himself physically healthy and he's, you know, his wife is really, really busy and he was just telling me all of these things and he just felt, he felt so guilty about him not being able to spend time with Jesus and my heart broke because I've been there and I believe you even feel this where it's kind of like what our United States Christianity has created is the most noble thing we could ever do as a Christian is to have quiet times where we just spend intentional times with Jesus. And I'm not saying not to do that. I am saying that those, that that is very important, but what I think we can actually miss and create whenever we just have this whole thing of you need to spend intentional quiet time with Jesus is you can separate the sacred from the secular, meaning we, we have a big dif- differentiation in time we spend in our prayer closet and time we spend in public. And Jesus talked about the prayer. Yes, I believe we need to have times of being in, in intentional prayer, but also too, that does not make the time that we, do, that we are not there any less spiritual, any less important, or any less holy. And, and what, what I shared with him, I want to share with you. I started asking him questions like, how much time do you spend driving to work? He said, 25 minutes. I said, how much time do you spend at the gym? And I just started asking him questions and it was wild because there was three to four hours of his life that he was either commuting, working out, eating. He was doing things and what I encouraged him to do, I want to encourage you today. Do it with Jesus. I said, if you are driving to work, Drive to work with Jesus. Like leverage the time, integrate Jesus into your life instead of feeling like you've got intentional time with Jesus and then you've just got your life that, you're, that you are living. Invite Jesus into your normal, everyday, regular, mundane life. Invite him in. Do it with Jesus. There was actually a 16th century monk whose name was Brother Lawrence. And I don't know if you've heard of him, but he coined the phrase, practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence was a 16th century monk, a nobody, who who worked in the kitchen, so who, who cooked all day. And he was in this same predicament. He was working long hours. 
he was upset and kind of felt guilty at the time he wasn't spending in prayer, wasn't spending reading his Bible, wasn't spending with God. And it, it made him feel guilty. But then he said, there needs to be a shift. There needs to be a change. He says, I have to actually look at time in the kitchen and time in the prayer closet as not being either or better than I have to view it as the same. And this is what Brother Lauren said. He said, the time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and the clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees in the blessed sacrament. As a humble cook, Brother Lawrence learned an important lesson through each daily chore. The time he spent in communion with the Lord should be the same, whether he was bustling around in the kitchen with several people asking questions at the same time or on his knees in prayer. Now, for some of you, this is going to be foreign and crazy because you have for so long separated sacred time and what we would deem secular time, right? Because we just think, well, God is only in the quiet moments. Let me remind you what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus said, I will not leave you by yourselves. I will give you my spirit to not just be with you, but dwell in you. And what was Jesus saying? You can have an awareness of my presence and my being with you there at all times. And that's what I believe that brother Lawrence is getting at here is that you can actually practice the presence of God, be cognizant and actually aware that it is not just you in the task, you in the meeting, you in your job, you in fill in the blank, but you can actually invite the Lord and his presence in. So it's not just you in the task, you in the job, you in whatever you have going on. It can be you, the spirit of God and the task, you, the spirit of God and parenting, you, the spirit of God and your job. Like, he was saying you can invite the spirit of God in and you can be cognitively aware and actually spend time with the Lord as you're going throughout your normal, everyday, mundane tasks that we all have going on. And that's what I believe Brother, Brother Lawrence is saying. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do today. Do it with the Lord. Do with the Lord. Do it with him. Invite him into it. And as you practice this, what you'll actually see is you are never alone. You are never by yourself. This has been revelatory for me. I'm not even lying because for so long, I, I, I carried the weight of everything on my shoulders because I felt alone. I cognitively knew I'm not, a, I'm not alone. Jesus said that I wasn't alone, but it was hard for my mind to grasp that. And then I got as I was going to these, to, to these pastoral retreats and I was starting to learn different things, one of the things that I came in acquaintance with is something called triangulating in the spirit of God. And what they were trying to teach me <clears throat> and what I'm trying to teach you is the very thing that Brother Lawrence did, where I learned I'm never by myself, but it was kind of a picture that helped me realize that. And what they deemed as is triangulating in the spirit of God. So viewing every situation in life as a triangle. It's not just a straight line, me or you in the job, me or you in the meeting, me and you. In, and it's like, just because we can sometimes feel it's just a straight line. We're by ourselves. But what I was showing and what I was encouraged and what I think brother Lawrence is saying, and even what I think Jesus was saying is that it's actually not just a straight line. It's actually a triangle. Check this picture out here where you've got you, the task, the meeting, the job, 
the parenting, the drive, like whatever. And what you can do is you can actually triangulate in the spirit of God to where you're never by yourself, where you can actually live a lifestyle of being cognitively aware of the presence and power and person of God and his spirit at all times. And just think of the, like, so, so instead of saying, well, I need to have sacred time with God and then there's just my secular life. No, it all becomes sacred. Wherever you're at is holy. Wherever you are, God is there. Wherever you are, the spirit of revival is there. Wherever you are, God is there. Y'all, if we have a generation, if we have a church full of lifehousers who are walking in knowing the presence of God is with them wherever they go, in every conversation, in every meeting, in every task, in every job, in, in whatever you're taking your kids to practice, the presence of God is there. If you're taking your kids to the school, the presence of God is there. That's saying, I have Jesus with me. His spirit is with me. He's never left me nor forsaken me. He is with me. If we have a church full of people that are aware of the presence of God, think about how this will transform your life. This will calm anxiety. This will give you power to pray for people. This will give you power to speak God's word. This will let anxiety and depression fall. This will help you because you know you are not by yourself. You have a power that is greater than you available and with you at all times. I want to encourage you triangulate in the spirit of God start practicing the presence of God. So you say, I can't make time, integrate time. You got time at work, put him there. You got time in the pickup line, put him there. You've got time driving home, put him there. You've got time after you put the kids to bed, put him there. Integrate Jesus into your normal everyday life. And I guarantee you'll see life is more sacred. Life is more holy. Life is having more purpose. And you'll have this supernatural peace coming over you because you know you're not by yourself. Prepare him room. Do it with Jesus. Lastly, I want to encourage you. So here's the thing, right? We have got choose your focus. You have a choice. Do it with Jesus. And thirdly, rest in Jesus's easy yoke. Rest in Jesus's easy yoke. I'm going to dive into this, but I want to read to you the source of this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. This is Jesus talking to a crowd of people and he's inviting them into rest. He says, this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Could you actually write the word yoke in the comment section? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is not talking about an egg yoke, <laughs> Okay. He says, take my yoke. And the yoke was actually a farming tool that would actually yoke or connect a seasoned ox with a newer ox. So you'd have the seasoned ox who, who kind of knew how the whole plowing thing goes, how the whole farming thing goes. They had been trained, broken in, and they were kind of the lead ox. And they would always take a young, unseasoned, unbroken ox and connect them, yoke them together with a seasoned ox. So the seasoned ox could, number one, pull the weight of responsibility and train the younger ox to properly farm and to properly do what it was meant to do. So you take that and you put it in this context whenever Jesus says, hey, if you're weary and burdened, I want to give you rest. But in order for this to happen, take, take my yoke upon you. What he's saying is be yoked to me. Be yoked to me. Jesus is saying, I am the seasoned one. I am the one that wants to take the weight of responsibility. And so now, 
Just, just yoke yourself. Put yourself together with me. Then he says, learn, learn from me. So he's like, learn how I do it. Watch me how I do it. I love the way that the paraphrased message version says this portion of scripture. Let me actually read that to you. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Do you hear these words that Jesus is saying? Like, work with me, watch how I do it. Come and learn from me. Like, let's do this thing together. What Jesus is saying, yoke yourself to me because if you yoke yourself to me, I will lead the way you follow. I will take the weight of responsibility. You watch how I do it. And y'all, let me tell you this. You want to prepare room for Jesus? You got to flip it. Because here's the thing. The reason why I think we have so much anxiety and we have so much fear and we walk through life holding down like we've got 400 pound weights on us is because we are trying to be the lead ox. Essentially, we're telling Jesus, follow me, Jesus, as I do my will. Hey, you can come, al come along and you can help me do my will. So essentially, you are trying to carry a weight you were never meant to carry. You are trying to take the, the weight that Jesus was supposed to carry and carry that weight because you think it all depends on you. You think it, it like you are the main, like if, like, do you see how this could get things out of whack? And the job that God has called you to do, the specific callings that God has called you to do, if you try to lead the way and have Jesus as the unseasoned ox and you're trying to be the lead ox, then you'll see why your inside world is all messed up. You're, you're carrying weight. You have anxiety like you're, you're trying because you're trying to carry weight you were never meant to carry. What Jesus is saying is, is flip it. Let me be the lead ox. Let me be the lead. Let me take the weight of responsibility and whatever you do, do it with me. And this has been revelatory for me when it comes to pastoring Lifehouse, because this is the way that I used to be. I'd be like, okay, I'm called to lead this church, called to be the pastor. Hey, Jesus, I know you're back there. I, I know you're somewhere. Just come and help me lead. And what Jesus said is like, no, John, I am, I'm the lead pastor of this church. You just helped me lead this church. I was like, that's really different. And that's actually really awesome. And it's actually been really awesome. <laughs> Why? Because I, I'm not trying to carry a weight that I was never meant to carry. Like, it's, it's basically saying, Jesus, you can do what I'm called to do better than I can do it. So I'm going to let you be the leader and I'm just going to help you do this. It's a different way of living. It's a different way of thinking. It is a different way of operating with your life because you are giving Jesus what he can carry and you are doing what you are called to do. And that is help him do it. Instead of Jesus, instead of you saying, hey, Jesus, I'm going to do my will, but you can come and help me. Being in Jesus' easy yoke, resting in Jesus' easy yoke, is Jesus is the leader. He's the one that's doing it, and I'm just helping him do it. It's essentially you trying to, whatever you are called to do, parent, job, lead pastor, whatever, I'm trying to do it as if Jesus would do it as if he were me. But he, the thing is, he's actually doing it. Jesus is the lead pastor. I'm just helping him. Do you know how, this, how much weight this will take off of your inside? Do you know how much... You'll, you'll, like, Jesus says, come on me and I'll give you rest. Do you know how much rest this will give you? Do you know how much rest this has given me? Now, this has been a, such a change in my life and it'll take you a while to 
not want to get back and be that lead ox and not want to take the responsibility. Like it'll be a discipline, but if you're cognizant of it, there will be moments where you'll be able to say, Lord, you're in charge. Like you'll, you'll actually start to feel conviction. You'll actually start to feel it. I'm out of Jesus's easy yoke. I've, I've tried to take back reins. I've tried to take back responsibility, but uh, Jesus, you are the lead. I'm going to follow you. Imagine this. Imagine if you let Jesus be the parent and you're helping Jesus parent your kids. Because some of you try to control everything about your kids. You, 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 you're, you're, you're just like, you know, you're the lead ox and you're just, Jesus is somewhere over there. And instead of saying, Jesus, these are your kids. You care about them more than I ever could. I want to help you parent. I want to help you parent. Think about this if at your job. What if Jesus was the leader of your organization? What if Jesus was the manager at your job? You had the position of being manager, but you've said, Jesus, you are the manager. I want to help you manage these people because these people are yours anyway. I want to help you. This is what being in the easy yoke of Jesus is. And what I have learned is that it is an easier way to live a hard life. Because we forget Jesus did not live an easy life. He lived a hard life, but he lived it in the presence of his father with the power of the Holy Spirit to where was Jesus's life hard. You're dang right. It was hard, but was Jesus's life impactful, very impactful. Yet did he walk with the supernatural peace and joy in the midst? Yes, he did. Why? Because he walked in the easy yoke of his father. He said, father, I mean, you, you could hear it in his language all throughout the gospels. Father, I only do what you tell me to do. I go where you tell me to go. I love those whom you give me. I only say what my father says. He, he's walking in this easy place as he lives a hard life. And that's what walking in the easy yoke of Jesus is. Is that, well, I'm, I'm not saying just get away and go to the desert and not, do, and not do hard things. I'm saying, no, you can do them in an easier way because you're allowing Jesus to be the one pulling, taking the responsibility and your mindset shifts to where I'm just helping Jesus. Y'all, this can be revelatory. This can be revelatory. And this can help you prepare him room because as you give away responsibility to Jesus who can actually handle it, guess what happens? There's more room in your heart, more room in your spirit, more room in your mind to put in place more of who God is because you've taken your hands off of what you can't control and you've given it to the God who can control it. So now that you've taken your hands off of things you can't control any, anyway, now you've got hands to receive more from God. So y'all, here's, here's the charge this Christmas season, man. I want you to prepare room, but not just prepare room this Christmas season. I want you to prepare room to live a life filled with the power and presence of God. You got to choose your focus. You got to do it with Jesus and you got to rest in Jesus's easy yoke. There's going to be a lot of things vying for your attention this Christmas season. I want you to make room, prepare room, give it to Jesus. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message, you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.